Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM. It's 510 here at the station, 82 degrees and partly sunny outside. Jake, I just got a text message here. It says, uh, just pulling into Pocono Raceway Thursday afternoon, 5 p.m., infield already three quarters full. We're going to hang out for four days like we have for the last 20 years, drink some beer, listen to some music, create some fossil fuels, and have a good time. Ain't that America? Ain't that America? And that's what I love to hear. You know, the one thing with Pocono Raceway is when this track came on the schedule in 1974 and it was granted a second race in 1982. So from 1982 to 2021, that racetrack had two race weekends for the NASCAR Cup Series. Unfortunately, last year, their June race went to Gateway International Raceway near St. Louis. And, you know, I could somewhat understand trying to get the St. Louis market on the schedule, but it sucks that it came at Pocono's expense. And it makes me happy. It really, really makes me happy when I saw on Pocono Raceway's social media accounts that the you have – three sections of grandstands, 100, 200, and 300, which are the terrace seats. And it made me so happy to see that the 100 section and the 300 section are sold out and there's still seats available in the 200 section. That is what you love to hear about your home track. And it's it's great for them and it's great for, for the sport of NASCAR too. I think I'd probably have to say in the mid-2010s, you know, the sport sort of went through change. They went through the Jimmy Johnson dynasty, and you had guys like Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Dale Earnhardt Jr. hanging up their helmet. And because of that, you saw these empty seats. Not just at Pocono, but pretty much everywhere. So it, it's it's great to see these these stands getting packed again. And I'm, I'm really, really happy to hear that. And, and the camping, too. The camping too. I, I can only imagine some of the some of the stories that, that are some of the stories and some of the the things that will happen there. Yeah, but for I'm the really, really three quarters full today on a five o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, and, and hopefully the weather's good for them the next two days. Not I know it's supposed to rain tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, they'll make the best of it. I'm sure of it, and oh, then yeah. dry out on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. That, that's the one thing I'm a little curious about is obviously that ARCA race tomorrow at six o'clock. I mean, luckily, luckily for them, it's a very, very short race, but at 6 o'clock, you're going to be racing against time, basically. You're racing against daytime because I believe sunset is about 825 or so. Yeah. And the track doesn't have any lights. But, yeah, yeah I'm happy, though. It sounds great. Me, too. If anyone else, else is out there on their way to Long Pond, please check in, text message, or call in. Let us know you're there. Let us know what your setup is and what's going on, what your plans are. I appreciate the text mes- messenger letting us know. You know, what was going on and, over there. And last but not least, all I could say is, personally, I cannot wait to see the tributes that they're going to have this weekend for Kevin Harvick. And like I was telling Nikki Stone just a little while ago, growing up as an Earnhardt fan, and when we lost Dale Earnhardt in 2001, Kevin Harvick was the one that was given that impossible task to take over that GM Goodwrench car. And... He, no one will ever replace Dale Earnhardt. Nobody. But Kevin did one hell of a job taking over for such a legendary car and a legendary team like that. And for 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 a lot of Earnhardt fans like myself, you know, it's it's definitely gonna be sad to see this weekend be his final race at Pocono Raceway, the final time I'll get to see him race in person. So 
it, he's he's been a great ambassador for the sport. And just like Dale Jr. when he retired and went to NBC, I can't wait to see what Kevin Harvick is going to do next year with Fox. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's a good mix-up that they have. Like you said, you have Dale Jr. at, at uh at, NBC. Uh, NBC and you have uh you'll have him at Fox. Yeah. Uh it's it's a good transition. It's a good uh it, the way they mix up the season with that I really like cuz it gives you the different point of views, it gives you different personalities, gives gives you the different uh, you know, experience. Yeah. And the one thing is when you look at Fox, Clint Boyer is an absolute riot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of people say if there was one if there was one person in the sport that you want to have a beer with, it would probably have to be Clint Boyer. But it's going to be a good balance Clint being all funny and crazy and Kevin obviously being very I was going to say very serious and very successful as he's been and it's been really cool for for Dale Jr. over at NBC reuniting with his old crew chief Steve Latart. you know he and St- Steve definitely resurrected his career in 2011 and it was so cool that the two of them were able to sweep the races at Pocono back in 2014 and they still carry that that strong friendship almost like a brotherhood to this day yeah, I don't know if you picked up on it, but it's something I noticed in, in a lot of the things that I've been reading is because of the Actors Guild strike, there's a lot of famous actors that are showing up at these races now mm-hmm. that they, they plan on coming. You know, it's a strategic place right here in northeast Pennsylvania to New York, New Jersey, you know, the Hamptons up, uh, you know, Nantucket. Yeah. And uh, I'm hearing that there might be a lot of a-, a celebrities there, you know, checking out the race this weekend. That's great. And the, the great thing about Pocono Raceway, this particular day on Sunday, race day, in Pennsylvania, it's the third largest city in the state behind, obviously, only Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it's going to be great to see. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Um, I wanted to talk about this story before, but it looks like if you wanted a budget in Pennsylvania, it doesn't look like it's anytime going to happen anytime soon. A House Democrat resigned uh, amid the budget impasse. We are in the midst of a budget impasse, and... The Democrats had a one-seat advantage at, of uh, the House of Representatives. And now that this representative has resigned um, to run for county executive out where she is, I believe, out in western PA. Yep, she's a western Pennsylvania Democrat of Allegheny County. She's re- resigned her office to pursue her campaign to be the next Allegheny County executive. And uh, it ties... The Pennsylvania House Senate at 101 to 101. So do we really have confidence that they're going to be able to compromise on something? They couldn't compromise when they had a one. I mean, we're at impasse for a reason. And I know the governor threw out he wanted the voucher program, and the Senate negotiated with that in good faith and gave things up to get that. And now he's saying that that it's off the table, which is kind of through the through the Senate in a, a – turmoil and the house who was absolutely against because of their one person majority the house democrats anyway were against this but um this is a big uh hit for the democrats in pennsylvania now it's it's not like she's going anywhere she's going to be the executive in allegheny county and if you look out in allegheny county uh, pittsburgh specifically or actually it's the allegheny county da uh, they have a democrat da out there who's been there for i think two or three decades and a George Soros-backed, real radical um, socialist DA is challenging him and did real well in the primary and has a lot of money. I think it was three times the amount of money behind him uh, to challenge the the established DA over there. And we're getting more and more of those types of DAs, and we're seeing what's going on in our cities with them. 
But, you know, here's someone who's giving up her seat in Harrisburg to uh, run for the Allegheny County um, executive spot. Now, it doesn't say anything about money in there, if this is a money decision, if she just wants to work back to home. Um, it's unknown if this is. I, I don't know what the difference would be. Maybe she just doesn't want to travel. Looks like a, a younger, doesn't have her age, but her name is Sarah Inamorado. And she's in District 21 in Allegheny County. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with our budget impasse in Harrisburg with this going on. So I just wanted to throw that out to you. Um, this other story I saw, and I, and I have to get through it quick, scares the hell out of me. And it's titled, Land Banks May Soon Claim Blighted Properties. And it's a House bill, House Bill 1163, now awaiting action in the Senate would let municipalities take a use-it-or-lose-it approach to blight. Once a locality declares a property blighted or abandoned, it could then be deemed liable to be acquired by a land bank. Property owners could appeal the land bank, would not be required to claim the properties, but the reform would put more pressure on landowners who create an external cost to a municipality to drive down neighboring property values. Now, the plan here, now this is based in uh, Pennsylvania, of course. This is a national bill. This is a house bill in, here in Pennsylvania. And it's stemming in Braddock. A Braddock representative, Representative Abigail Salisbury, Democrat of Barrick, wrote a legislative menu. We need to hold absent and neglectful property owners accountable and give municipalities more ways to reuse and develop land. Braddock has struggled with its blighted burden for years. The borough released a blight strategy plan in 2017 that estimated almost 11% of its housing in Braddock, Pennsylvania, was blighted. Gee, who came from Braddock, Pennsylvania? Hmm. Well, maybe it'll come to me. Another 12% of housing units below average. In 2022, a fire level to set a blighted row homes. Longtime residents complained of it. Um, neighboring North Braddock has about 350 abandoned properties. You know, the, the town Braddock, Pennsylvania just sticks in my cry. I'm just not sure where, I'm keep, where it sounds so familiar. Allegheny County, where Braddock is located already has a vacant property removal program that allows the taking of a property if the owner has been tax delinquent for three years. Acquisitions, however, can be a financial burden on localities. What this law is doing is depending who's in charge of your your municipality, your township, your city, they get to determine through their policies What is considered a blight property? Now, here it says if you don't pay your taxes for three years. So if you're an older person, come on hard times, have medical bills, and for some reason you don't pay your property taxes in three years, that township can come take your property. Have a land bank come and take your property under this legislation. Is that something that everybody's for here? I'm all for getting rid of blighted properties, but I'm not all for people making up their own rules what a blighted property is and taking it because they want to. You know, if it's truly an abandoned, dilapidated property that's no one's accounting for or no one's doing anything for and there's no circumstances involved in it, yes, I understand there should be actions taken to clean up the neighborhood. But here's a bill in Harrisburg 
based out of Braddock, Pennsylvania. And just, Nikki, I mean, you just came in. Does Braddock, Pennsylvania, is there anyone? You know, it just. There was this. Per, uh, is somebody pulled a gun on somebody somewhere along the line Braddock, in Braddock, right? Do you remember the story about somebody pulling a gun on somebody? Was that yeah. the one I'm thinking no, about? I, 11% of the housing there is blighted. Another twelve percent are below average, hmm. and three hundred and fifty abandoned properties there. But uh, well, I just remember it being such a good place to be. I in. was just going to say that's not what I remember hearing. Yeah. I remember hearing how wonderful it was because some fairy godfather came flying over and made it all great. Yeah, was that wrong? I don't Different know. Place. I just uh, you know the name sounded very familiar. Braddock, but PA. this this House Bill eleven sixty three is going to allow municipalities to take it take your property if you're delinquent in your taxes 3 years. Well, I thought wait, do we I thought we didn't get even 3 years if you're delinquent in taxes. It depends on which which part of your taxes. I, I property do, taxes. I know, but I thought it was less than 3 years in some counties for them to take your property? Yeah, for them to sell it on whatever, you know, put it up for sale, sheriff sale. Well, maybe. Well, but they shouldn't be able to. But now here they want to get land banks to be able to take your property because, of course, the municipality doesn't want to be in charge of your property, cleaning it up and everything. So they're going to mm-hmm. give it, have a land bank take it. They'll clear the property, d- demolish it or fix it or do whatever they want and then sell it for a profit. Well, no, or they couldn't be fixing it up, making it nice and giving it to somebody who decided to just cross the border. And they need a chance. They need to be helped, you know, whether they become a citizen or not. That's a possibility. So you didn't think of that about that, did you? Could be. Well, if anyone wants to read this story, it's in the Center Square, Pennsylvania section. Um, It's from today, but it says land banks may soon claim blighted properties. And again, what is considered blighted property is up to the municipality uh, and the procedures and policies that they put in place. Me personally, I don't trust a town council or a town board or a town anything to decide what my property is and what my property isn't. So might want to take a look at House Bill 1163 because it's now awaiting action in the Senate. So it looks like it's been taken. It's already passed through the House. Uh, who and where did that come from? Like what? what uh, Braddock, Pennsylvania. Braddock, that great place. Yeah, this legislator, uh, what was her name? Representative Abigail Salisbury, Democrat of Braddock. Uh-huh. Must be a wonderful place with wonderful people living in Braddock, don't they? Uh, yeah. It's... Thoughtful, caring, you know, great people. Could be. <laughs> It's 524 here at WILK. It's time for traffic and weather. <laughs> this Pentella Data Internet Traffic Update. They are clearing up an accident. 81 northbound just above the Wilkesbury Bear Creek exit. I think I'm only seeing some slowing now, but beware that traffic may still be stopped. We also have an accident going on, uh, or construction going on, 81 northbound above Clark Summit, where you're going to be crawling, and 80 westbound is still jammed up. Heavy traffic heading into the back mountain. Oh, 80 westbound at Bloomsburg, by the way, is still jammed up because of that road work. But uh, heading into the back mountain, we're also seeing heavy traffic, and it slows down just a bit after the rock cut. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. I got to have fun, Nikki. I, I got <laughs> something to do. You know, I wasn't allowed in the studio till 9 o'clock. <laughs> Me either. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 <laughs> forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, cloudy with thunderstorms and showers, low 67. Friday, spotty showers and storms, high 82. Saturday, mostly sunny and less humid, high 80. Sunday, mostly sunny, high 83. It's currently 83 degrees and mostly sunny now at 525, your official weather station, WILK.
Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 528, almost 529, 83, and mostly sunny. I appreciate all the text messages. Yes, I, I do know who's from Braddock. I was trying to have fun with it. Um, it's just amazing that, you know, blighted properties, and you think of Braddock, um, is what it is, but I, I guess it's really not the town it was made out to be. And, and like I said, if you look at the, there was a, a special made there where they interviewed people from Braddock, and they weren't really happy with his leadership or what he did there for the community. And that's from the people who live there, so I, I take their word for it. You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, L from Wayne County on Fetterman. L. Well, don't you remember when he was trying to run, well, trying, to, trying to run, I won't word it that way, um, they said that he had one main property and then he went and he bought all these little parcels around his whole great big property, and they were the ones that he didn't pay his taxes on. Remember that? And either, is, is that Abigail, is she a Democrat or is she a Republican, do you know? A Democrat. So either they're trying to block it so nobody else can do that, or they're trying to do that so all these higher-ups can, can get all the, the parcels of land. So that, that's the only two, you know, things I see. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I understand the out of the box to, to clean up blighted properties. I just don't like the way this is framed. It screams, watch this. You know, the, this is a danger uh, to the way they're wording this, you know, because it'll be up to the municipalities to determine what is blighted property. And then to have a corporation exactly. come in, this land trust to, to come in yeah. and uh, snatch it up, clean it up, level it, do what they want with it resell it because, you know, I mean, the, the municipality, the town, the state, their goal is to get that property back on the market paying taxes. I, I get that. Uh, you know, I've dealt with that when I worked, you know, before I started here. Mm. I, and that's the goal, you know, to, to make it a producing tax revenue. Mm-hmm. And and but th- that's that's so funny, though, that that now that would come up after the fact that he's now has an office that he's not really yet doing anything. He's not trying to do anything, <laughs> but, but, uh, it's just, it's just so funny, you know, the way that kind of was worded, you know, because that's what he did. He didn't pay his taxes on any of those little parcels. He only paid the taxes on where his house was. And, and I remember the special that I watched, there were people there that had questions about how he acquired the properties that he had. You know, a lot of them were bankrupt. A lot of them were, he bought for a dollar, um, you know, and then he, he folded them into to these different entities. And he had a non-for-profit that he did things for, through. So, you mm-hmm. know, was, was their taxes, you know, was he getting less tax because of that? And what work did right. he really do? I mean, there were a lot of questions from there. Um, that again, right. we'll never know because uh, he was the guy they wanted. Uh, yeah, that's that's the correct wording. <laughs> the guy they wanted, not the guy we wanted. <laughs> no doubt. Well, you have a good one. You, you have too. a good one. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Um, real quick, two senators are backing a bill that would require the government to collect data on how people who participate in the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, spend their food money. SNAP, formerly known as Food Stamps, provides food benefits for low-income families. It's it's a needed pro, uh, it's, it's it's a needed program. I, I get that, and there are a lot of people that depend on it. I get that. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food and Nutrition Service runs the program along with 50 states, 
and the states distribute the benefits. But there's a bipartisan effort, both Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida, and Cory Booker, Democrat of New Jersey, introduced the SNAP Nutrition Security Act to help improve SNAP recipients' diet quality, to collect data on SNAP purchases, to identify what products taxpayer dollars are being spent on. So basically, it's an accountability bill that would track and report on how SNAP benefits are used, including what food participants buy. In the midst of America's obesity crisis, tax dollars shouldn't be spent on junk food, both Rubio and Booker said in a statement. This legislation would strengthen the SNAP program by requiring the USDA to collect data to impact SNAP. And I agree with this 100%, and I'm glad it's a bipartisan bill. We should know what's being spent, and I don't care what you're eating. But if this is for a nutritional program, is this is to give you the staples of, of buying your groceries, then that's exactly what you should be buying. And a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's not what's done out there. There's a lot of manipulating um, on this program. There's a lot of two-for-one. When it was food stamps, people used to actually trade them. I will give you $2 in food stamps if you give me a dollar in cash. I mean, that was a lot. You, know, you give me $20 in food stamps, I'll give you a $10 bill. That's how it was used back then. Uh, I saw that firsthand. There were plenty of arrests on it. This is how the food stamps, and that's why they went to this EBT card. It's still used the same way. You know, you buy my groceries and I'll give you cash. Now, it's not a a hand where you could spend the money because you had these food stamps, but it's done where they're buying your food for you and you're giving them cash because they're selling the benefit. They want cash. They really didn't need the food that they were buying. That's part of the scam. It's not the majority of people, but it does happen, and that's what we need to focus on. It's 534 here at WILK. We'll be back with the show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 538, 83 degrees and mostly sunny outside. Yep, I'm seeing the parking lot now. Looks like the sun's out there. It's good. You know, going off the the, leg- the bipartisan legislation that's in our uh, Senate from Marco Rubio and Senator Booker of New Jersey on making sure people are buying the things they should be buying uh, with their EBT card, food stamps, whatever you'd like to call them at this day and age. But here locally, a Nanakoke market was cut off from the food stamp program um, due to allegedly impermissible activity, according to documents filed in federal court. Uh, Owner of Raminsky's Market, LLC, at 825 South Prospect Street, last week filed a federal lawsuit challenging its disqualification from the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program which is monitored by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. According to a complaint filed by the Hazelton attorney, the department's food and nutrition services flagged irregular SNAP transactions at the store between October 2021 and March 2022. The agency accused the store of electronic benefit transfer trafficking, the impermissible practice of exchanging SNAP benefits for cash payments. According to a final agency decision sent by administrative review last month, the store demonstrated patterns of unusual, irregular, and suspicious activity involving SNAP transactions. The Patel failed to offer any documentation or explanation to validate the legitimacy of the questionable purchases. 
The federal suit asserts that the transactions essentially do not show any particular pattern other than bulk of orders and do not demonstrate a pattern of snap trafficking. However, they wrote that in one instance, a customer was offered store credit because she was not unable to afford her groceries, even with her EBT card. The suit asks federal judge to reverse the finding of the USDA to reinstate the store's participation in SNAP. So this is something in our backyard here that the USDA flagged. Now, they're appealing it, which is their right. But I've already told you, this goes on time and time again. I've seen it. I've contacted the New York City agencies as a former New York City detective saying that they can come to this supermarket in the Poconos where you had individuals using driving in Lexuses, Mercedes, SUVs at $100,000 a plus coming in and using people's EBT cards that were not theirs. And they'd have many of them. They'd use one, and then they'd use another, and then they'd use another. And I saw this. I was online behind them, and this was a regular occurrence. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't send an investigator out here because New York State would not send an investigator out of state to look into this. Getting information, intel from a former New York City detective, they could care less because they're never going to get the authorization to come out of state to come here. And I said, you have to just sit here 15 minutes, any day of the week. Sit here 15 minutes during the summer, and you'll witness three or four or five of these happening. Wouldn't look into it. And as when I was an investigator in New York City, when I was a police officer in New York City, and back when I was a child growing up in New York City, this was the street hustle. I have $150 in food stamps. Give me $75 cash, and I will give you the $150 in food stamps. There was no such thing as ID and food. If you had food stamps, they, they look like fake money. They look like you know, Disney money or Monopoly money. That's what food stamps used to look like. They had amounts on it, $1, $5, $10, $20. And people would go to the store and use them. And the people who didn't need that money, didn't need that, those food stamps to buy food and would rather cash, would accept it at a two-to-one ratio. This is common, and that's why they got away from that. But it's still being done because now I'm just going in with Joe Smith. He's using his EBT card, buying me what I want, and I'm giving him half the cash or whatever the negotiated you know, amount is this day and age. It happens a lot. And we really need to crack down on those types of things because it's our tax dollars. And for the people who really need this program, it's hurting them the most. Four, five, four. 5.42 here at WILK. So you don't know what station. I don't even know what time. Uh, see, there you go. Maybe I can get it all right now. Yep. Uh, this traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. We do have slowing anyone northbound beginning around Wilkesbury bear Creek. You'll be dipping below the speed limit as they clear up that accident that happened a bit earlier. We also have slowing through the Scranton area on anyone northbound and then above Clark Summit. You can expect to be crawling as well as you head into the Endless Mountains region. You might think that you're going just a little bit on anyone northbound, but then in the Lennox area, you'll be dipping again below the speed limit and construction happening in that area. It is moving through construction on 80 westbound at Bloomsburg, but still very slow go. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. 
Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, cloudy with thunderstorms and showers, low 67. Friday, spotty showers and storms, high 82. Saturday, mostly sunny and less humid, high 80. Sunday, mostly sunny, high 83. It's currently 83 degrees and mostly sunny now at 544, your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 547. I just got a text message from someone who's very familiar with that store that I was talking about and uh, said that there is absolutely things like this going on there, that they've witnessed that, and, and other things as far as underage people getting tobacco products and other things. So, yeah, it's all part of it. And somebody else chimed in saying uh, uh, they don't even go with them to the store. They just give them the card and the pin to use. It's too much trouble to accompany them. Yeah, I guess for people you're familiar with or very familiar with, that would be an option. But, you know, for a total stranger, you're going to give me your card and your PIN number, you'll never see either again. Um, but it does happen. It happens more than we'd like to think about it. Um, just like with uh, Medicare and Medicaid, you know, when doctors and hospitals see that, they're sending your parents to whatever test they can, regardless if it's really needed or not, even if it's invasive. You know, I've had many questions with tests they were sending my mom for, you know, when when she was still here saying, you know, this is ridiculous. I mean, you're really going to put her through this type of test. She's she's not going to do well in it. It's going to be more detrimental than anything you'd find out from the test. But it was a three $4,000 test, so let's do it because Medicare is going to pay for it. That needs to stop, too. So there's a whole cross-the-board things. You know, if you want these programs, if we want to be stewards of these programs, then let's be stewards of them. Let's monitor the abuse that happens on all levels. From the rich doctors to the people who say they need nutritional food, who's not doing it. They're getting their $75 cash for the $150 of EDP spend, EBT spending and buying liquor with it or buying other things with it or going to a park or buying an iPhone or whatever. Well, they're getting the iPhone free. So uh, let's go to the phones probably for the last time. We have uh, Brian from Scranton on EBT cards. Brian. Hey. So the EBT cards, uh, they're 50 cents on the dollar. You remember where that came from? Uh, l- l- enlighten me. Let me know. <laughs> well, that came that came from the federal government back in the seventies. They used to send you a check, and you had to make a decision with your welfare money that whether you were going to buy your food stamps or you weren't going to buy your food stamps, and the cost was fifty cents on the dollar. I'm um, I'm not getting what you're saying here. That's that's where they got this idea of fifty cents on the dollar for for their food stamps. You used to go to the bank with a, a check voucher, and you would have to make the decision whether you were going to buy the food stamps or you were going to pay your bills. Oh, I got you. I got you now. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So I the do. government actually came up with that fifty cents on the dollar. It wasn't your average average Joe. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I don't even know what the going rate is now. It might it's, it might still be two for one. I, I just know back when I was investigating this stuff and back when I saw it firsthand, uh, you know, it was it was two for one. So what, if it was ten dollars, you got five dollars cash. If it was twenty dollars, you got ten dollars in cash. If it was a hundred dollars, you got fifty dollars cash. I I don't know what that rate is now, and I'm sure it fluctuates depending on who needs what. But um, I'm sure it does. Yeah. The, the abuse is definitely there, and, and it, it's no surprise to me that the, the the idea of it came from the government, because most bad ideas do. Yeah, it did. It did. Look it up, you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Brian, I appreciate your call. Nice talking to you. Thank Bye. you. Uh, yeah, it doesn't doubt me. Um, 
I'm looking at the the next story I'm going to talk about with. Um, this came down earlier today, and it, I didn't think it would. Oh, I knew it would, it would come out of committee, but the Senate committee approves the bill to impose stronger ethics ethics standards on the Supreme Court justices. Now, this is from the Associated Press, but even they don't believe this is going to make it out of the Senate. Now, again, the Democrats have a majority in the Senate, but it needs a 60 vote, so they're going to need nine more Republicans to vote this out of the Senate. And then it goes to the House, I believe. I don't believe this could just be a a Senate issue. It may be. But the panel voted up along party lines to set ethic rules for the courts and processes to enforce them, including new standards for transparency around recusals, gifts, potential conflicts of interests, and such like that. Now, we've talked about this here for the past couple of weeks. I've named the names. Every justice is doing this. The only reason this is an issue now is because of the current majority. And they're angry over the decisions they've made, so they're going to make an issue of this. But I went through a lot of the cases last week, or earlier this week, where you had Sonia Sotomayor making hundreds of thousands of dollars on book deals because her and her staff, her Supreme Court clerk's staff, were hawking her books to these colleges that she was going to speak at. There is a university in Hawaii that pays all expense luxury trips for them to go there for the summer when they're off season now, where they show up once every week or once every two weeks, live in luxury accommodations, have their food provided for them, go to this banquet, that banquet, or these universities that they go speak at, get these high million dollar donors there to take a picture with your Supreme Court justice, and then you have them going on friends' planes or donors' planes, trips to Nantucket, staying at this one's house, staying at that one's house. Sandra Day O'Connor, um, they all do it. And now a lot of the media, especially CNN, the Associated Press actually did a great series on this. And again, even in their story here, it throws out Clarence Thomas and John Justice Chief Justice John Roberts you know, many times, but then buried in the story, it gets into the rest of them. Sonia Sotomayor, you know, it, it throws in Justice Samuel Alito. They all do it. Justice Breyer. I went through the specific occurrences that they've done this. This is the normal operating procedure for them. It's just a problem now because the current loudmouths in Washington don't like the majority that's there. So now it's an issue. So they're going to make an issue of it. I, for one, have no issue with an ethics ethics policy for the Supreme Court. Go for it. But the Supreme Court justices, all of them, don't want it either. You have not seen Justice Soto Sotomayor. You have not seen any of the Democrat or liberal-leaning justices come out Screaming and yelling on TV, we need to have an ethics policy. This is ridiculous what's going on in these chambers that I serve in. You're not seeing that, are you? Not a single one of them. They don't want this oversight. This is their backdoor funding. This is how they make money while they're serving as a Supreme Court justice. Supreme Court justice, you know, they, what do they make, 200000 a little under $200,000 a year? Yeah, they get all the perks and benefits, a lifetime appointment. They're all millionaires. Why? Because of stuff like this. Does it mean they're unethical? I don't think so. 
Have they proven anything that it's a, that, that it's swayed their vote in one way or another? I haven't seen any evidence of that. None of them want it. But it's the left, the progressives, the Democrats as a whole now that just don't like the makeup. If, if there was a Democrat majority and they found Justice Thomas doing the same thing, they could care less. They knew this was going on for years. And again, it happens with all of them. They're only trying to highlight the select few. So the stronger ethics standards came out of the Justice Committee in the Senate. It's going to the full Senate. And it's not expected to pass. So it'll stay there. But your key red flag on this when they're trying to make it an issue, a conservative issue against the conservative justices or any specific justice, is not a single liberal judge has come out and said, this is outrageous, we need to monitor this, we need to have stronger uh, ethics standards here in this chamber. Not a single one. That's your red flag. It's 5.56 here at WILK. We'll be back to shut down the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Just quick message on that. Be the new you. I weighed in today. I'm down 18 pounds in two weeks. It's legit. I'm telling you. We're going to go through this journey together, and you, we're going to talk about it. But 18 pounds in two weeks, I'm pretty proud of it. Jake, you're going to have a good long weekend. Enjoy yourself. Thank you, Rob. You as well. Yeah, hopefully I see you around the track, and hopefully your driver wins. That would be awesome. There you go. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. You people be safe. God bless, and we'll see you again tomorrow.